for London Lions. What was the what was the dis, the, the thinking behind your decision to return back to London? Um, I was kind of 50-50 at the time. Um, when Vince Vince reached out to me and um, you know he told me he wanted to meet with me and um, you know like we met in a, a central London, sat down you know he he kind of showed me his plan you know his vision for London Lions you know and um, you know like for me it was kind of like a blessing because I I didn't want to leave again because you know you know my son's two my daughter's ten months so. You know, it was kind of tough, you know, on my emotions each time I'm leaving my kids and I'm, I'm back and forth. And I mean, I'm 30 years old now, so, you know, there's no time for schoolboy games, you know, like I can't be up and down, up and down, up and down. I need like some stability, you know, for me and my family. So when he met me, um, yeah, he, he kind of put forth his plan, you know, his, his vision. And obviously, a lot of people don't know that, that Vince's from the Brixton Top Cats, you know, he's from like the original, from, from like Liverpool, you know, like when him and Jimmy are close. So, you know, that, that, that also had a, a factor in it, you know, in terms of me trusting him and um, knowing that his mindset is in the right place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, we sat down, he spoke about his plan and it just, you know, sounded good. He put forth a good offer that, you know, so you come, you come to London, you join London Lions. The first time I see you play in London was at the O2 Arena for the Sky Sports Match Rooms um, fast basketball game, yeah, which yeah. I thought was mad crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was my actual first, I don't know, it was my second live TV broadcast. Yeah. And I'm like, Justin, you're going to play, you're going to play in this. <laughs> and like, all of a sudden I see a whole bunch of other people that you've grown up with in that area, everybody's taking part. Yeah. And you, you win, you win this tournament. Yeah. And that's like you're welcome to into London. Now you've been here since September. We're now in May. Yeah. What's the experience been like for you being part of the BBL so far? Um, it's been great so far. You know, um, you know, like the love that people have shown me has been been ridiculous, man. Like people, like I really feel appreciated. You know, um, you know all the fans, all like the media, the BBL sites, all this stuff. You know, like I, I'm feeling that people are kind of seeing that. You know, I'm a really, really good player, you know. Whereas before, I've, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, you know. Like when you're away, people don't really see the ins and outs of, of your games, you know. And then to be able to play in front of my family, my kids, my girlfriend, um, my mum, you know, my dad can come, all my close friends, childhood friends can come to the game. It's, it's amazing, you know. Um, so, I mean, me personally, I've, I've had a great experience and to be with my kids, Every day, taking my son to nursery, picking him up for nursery. You know, like these are moments that you can't pay for. You know, and no matter how much, you know, I mean, I've got some better offers financially, but they didn't out outweigh. You know, like the pros and the cons. You know, yeah. So it's like I, I kind of ch chose my family over, you know, financial luxuries or if you want to put it like that. But but looking at BBO now, though, do you think it's in a good place and it's a good advert for? British people that have gone abroad to play to come back home or for Americans or anybody from any part of the world to actually look at British Basketball League and say, this is something I can actually be part of. It's not a laughing stock anymore. Mm. When 10 years ago, if you say BBL, you're like, what yeah, BBL? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to play the BBL. That, um, do you think it's a good time for people to really sit up and pay attention to what's going on? Definitely. I mean, like, so many British players have been contacting me 
oh, how's how's London Lions? You know, how's the league? How's your experience? Are you enjoying your time? And so many American players, like former teammates, they ask me, yo, man, I want to come play in London and this and that. So it's just, I mean, I'm not saying I'm the pop, I'm like the poster boy you, for it. Well, you are. I mean, but. <laughs> you are. But I think when I came back, a lot of people were, were shocked that, you know, that, that, you do it. that I would I do it, shocked. you know. I remember you telling yeah. me, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> I think I got a two news on the same day. So I had yeah. you saying you're coming back to London and then Ogo telling me that he's retired. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's going on? And you've become, you know, whether you like it or not, you are the poster boy for, yeah. Brit- for British Basketball League. Yeah. Now, all these people wanted to come to London. Do you find it weird that we only have one team in London? Do you think we should have another team in London? Um, or one is enough for the city? I think, mm, I think one's enough, really. I mean... If you had two, if you had two, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, you could have like a cross-town r- rivalry. North and South. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, I think one's enough. I think if like every major city had a team, London, Birmingham, Manchester, Liverpool, uh, Northampton, you know, like, you know, all the major cities had a team, it would be more like how it is in the NBA, you know. Um, but I just think like the the BBO, like overall, has, has become more competitive, you know. I, I think teams are catching up you know to those historical top teams you know and you know it's not so top heavy as it, as it used to be you know so which is always a good thing you know but when your league is more competitive it's more exciting it's, it's, it's more enticing you know I'm seeing what's going on with the riders for example and I'm looking at London I'm going why are we not there yet yeah um, what's going on well I mean I, I, I'm not even sure how to even ask that question. You know, like I don't know the backstory or the, you know, or the historical um, background on that team. You know, but I mean, they're first, we're in second. You know, so you know, like we just wanna our, our main mindset now is this, it's this just season, just get to the get to the finals of the O2. You know, so I think you know if we get to the O2, then it's, we're winning it. You know, so. So what next for you, though, Justin? I can only speak from my experience and my generation. I think 
like when I was growing up, being in a gang was more um, the state that you, you grew up on, um, you know, the area, you know, maybe your older brothers in it, maybe, sometimes maybe your your own parents in it, you know. Um, but I think back then it was a lot of um, social issues, you know. Sometimes the mum's on drugs, dad's in jail. You know, the gang is the only outlet you have. Um, but I think today, I just think today, I think these young kids don't have the outlet, you know. There's been a lot of um, cuts, you know. Like, there's no more play centres and no more... You, there's, there's, there's none of that, you know. Like, when I was growing up, play centres was, was everywhere, you know. That, that's where everyone went, even the, the yeah, bad boys, you know. After school. Exactly, you know. You go there till 6.30 you know? or whatever. So there's no, like, there's no outlet. And, I, and I'm not saying that's an excuse for, for these young kids but there's no outlet for something it could, it could be anything it could be a basketball club football club uh, reading club anything but I just don't think these kids have an outlet something to stimulate their mind and keep them occupied and off the streets and when you're when you have an idle mind you know like it's only a matter of time before you get into doing bad stuff and it's, it's I find it really sad Justin because like you said when I was growing up in Tottenham it was terrible yeah but we had youth clubs in every corner. Yeah, yeah. So in these youth clubs, it's either you're doing football, you're playing PlayStation, just sitting there. Yeah. Or maybe just going to have a chat with a youth worker. Yeah. You have something that you could do. And exactly. these young people, like you said, they're idle. There's nothing to do. Yeah. So knives, guns. And what scares me is when you can hear young people say that, you know, you don't know, can rent a gun for 50 pounds. And you're just like, in London. If you said to talk to me in America, it's different thing, I can yeah. understand. Yeah. But in our city? Yeah, yeah. It's... It's, it's it's really bad, man, and, and I think I think um, I think a big thing is like teaching kids their culture, you know. Like yeah, you have to show them who they are, where they come from, because if, I think if you love yourself and you realize that we're all one, you love each other, you know. And I just think like they're getting younger and younger and younger and more ruthless. Whereas I, I feel like when I was growing up, you know, you, you had gang members, but a gang member or the whole gang like they wouldn't trouble innocent person walking on the street trying to rob them like I'm hearing stories about kids trying to rob someone of their phone the, the person don't give them the phone they end up stabbing them you know this is such like petty kids kids basically losing their life over pettiness you know last night there was on the news that there was a shooting in your ends actually um, where a, a woman is in her garden you know just gardening and there was a drive-by shooting that missed narrowly just missed their head it went through her, her, her house and it just missed her head and shot a 16-year-old who's now passed away. What do we need to do as a city to combat this? Because we want to help, but how can we help? I think, I think a lot of times we're like, especially the police and the government, they look at crime and they just look at crime. They don't look at the root cause, you know. Like I think a lot of it is poverty, a lot of it is um, education, um, and again, these, these all these cuts, you know. I, I feel like um, if you cut police, if you if you, if you cut social um, programs, if you, this is gonna happen. Like this is not something that is just happening out of nowhere. That there's the actual cause to this, you know. And I think like the poverty rate in this country, a lot of people don't actually realize that, that some of these kids are going in bed like without even eating. You know, some of these kids don't have a like a father or a, a mother to you know to. to um, seek for help you know so I think a lot of these kids are seeking other other things and trying to get fast money and also I think social media definitely hurts you know because they, you know these kids are also like they're they're seeing a life that's not real they're seeing chains they're seeing cars and 
you know, social media is not real. It's not real life. It's not. It's not reality. You know. So I, I just think that we have to get to the the root cause of the problem and and work our way up. You know, like we can't just say, oh, they're bad, bad kids. Bad. You know, why are they bad kids? And what's making them this way? You know, because I mean, in London, really, truly, everyone has a choice. Like this is it's ain't the Caribbean or Africa where, you know, you, you you're growing up in a slum and there's no there's no way out. You have a way out in London. Everyone has a choice, but it's just giving these kids an outlet, you know, to kind of steer away from, you know, like the negative. In my life, I had basketball. If I didn't have basketball, who knows where I would have ended up, you know? I've got my my best friends in jail for life. I've got friends that have been killed, you know? So it's like, you know? It's weird. I mean, when I've traveled a lot, and recently when I've been to Africa, and I, I see young people still being young people, like they still have their mindset as, as a child. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see, and it's refreshing. Then I come to London, and you've got 11-year-olds that are yeah, yeah. 30, and then you've got 16-year-olds that are beyond the age, you know, carrying and doing things on the street. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what kind of world do we live in that social media, the fact that the government have so many cuts, and so much that these young people are looking at all of them. This is influencing their behavior and their attitudes and how they're growing up. And it's scary. It's we, it's, we look it's... at Africa and we look down at them. We look at Asia and we look down at them. And then what are we looking down at them for? It's, it's, it's crazy because like, like for example, like you see like stories of like kids in Africa or Asia or Caribbean, you know, a place where you have to pay for school. And you see these kids take it so serious. Like they'll be, I've seen like a saw a video of one kid was um doing doing her homework under like street street light because there was no electricity in, in the home you know I just think, I think like you know when you've been handed things you kind of take it for granted you know where somewhere in Africa like for example in Africa like let's say that you you've grown up in a slum of or anywhere even though like it's there's a small percentage that you make it out in your mind you know I can make it out whereas but if they chose to go down selling drugs or doing this, you can't blame them because there's they no, no choice. there's no job seekers allowance, there's no benefits, there's no this, there's no that. So they have no choice. Whereas here, you have a choice. Like, and it's not every case because I, I know that there's some special cases where you know, like the father's in jail, the mom's on drugs, the older brothers are selling drugs. So it's kind of most of the time you become a product of your environment. Most of the time, but at the end of the day, everyone has their own mind and. We all know right from wrong, so you know. I, I, Do you think that we've lost our norms and values in our society? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I feel like um, I feel like coming to England, like you know, my my parents are immigrants. You know, my mom's Irish, my dad's Dominican. You know, you're from Ghana. I feel like coming to England, we've lost value of self. You know, like I feel like you know, like there's there's you can adapt and you can assimilate but you also have to know who you are and like for example like, let's, say, let's say I go to go to Ireland or go to Dominica you'd never walk past an old person and not say good morning good evening, good evening. Not never them, never, never yeah. here I just feel like that respect and the morals and the values and it's just I don't know like and, and there's no sense of community anymore you know whereas like even when I was growing up in Brixton like if you're doing something bad, there'll be someone on the balcony watching you. They, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like they'll, oh, Justin. like, and you. By, by the time you get home, your mom knows. You know what I'm saying? You're getting a beating. Whereas, you know, I, I think the whole like gentrification has definitely hurt. You know, 
it's hurt and it's helped because obviously it's reduced the crime and it's it's um it's helped certain parts of London become more diverse. But it's also broke up communities, you know. Um, you know, so now it's like everyone's kind of out for themselves, you know. Yeah. I mean, I loved like I can't say how much I've loved growing up in Tottenham. It was so good to the point, yeah. Sometimes you get upset, but you know, when you were growing up, like you said, you'd be on a high road with on a madness, <laughs> and you're feeling free with yourself, and you're quite pleased. I had a good day today, and you're going home smiling. As soon as you walk through the door, your mama's like, "So, yeah. what did you think you were doing on yep. Tottenham High Road?" Yep. And you're like, "Exactly." No. Exactly. How do you know I was on Tottenham High Road? Exactly. So we, we've lost norms and values and community Definitely. In, in the UK. Definitely. So what do we do with the young people going forward? I think it it's basically on our generation to kind of, you know, drag them back in, you know, teach them who they are, teach them what life's about, you know. You know, I, I feel like some of these kids, you, you know, you, I feel like you, you've got to take them out of London and see a, a bigger picture a yeah you know like <laughs> a bigger picture you, you know when you when you travel you know you see you see different walks of life you see different cultures you, you know some of these kids haven't even left their area you know, you know some of them can't leave the area because there's never seen a passport. you know what i'm saying so it's like i'll tell you something we did a program a couple of years ago it was a really good program that was sponsored by the british british council and basically they gave me 20 of the hardest hardest young people you're going to get in london yeah. and you know i love working with these disadvantaged <laughs> young people they're just the mad kids are my fit. <laughs> so they gave me 20 kids and they gave me some money. They said, what would you do to change the perception on everything? And I said, I'm going to take them to Ghana. Ooh. And I remember all of them laugh as like, Ghana, like, these kids probably don't own passports. And it's true, they, none of them had passports. And I remember contacting every single one of their parents. And I said, listen, you know, they've, they've been permanently excluded from school. They're definitely not going to get their GCSEs, but this is what we could do. Let's try this program. We're gonna, I'm going to do workshops with them for the next 12 weeks. Then I'm going to take them to Ghana for two weeks. Hmm. And then when we come back, if they have a change of attitude, we'll put them straight back, straight back into school. Yeah. These are like year 10 kids coming into year 11. Yeah. And a lot of their parents were like, but they've never traveled. They're, they're terrible. They, we can't even manage them at home. How are you going to take them to Ghana for two weeks? And I said, just, let's just believe in them. Let's pretend that they can do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Give them the benefit of the doubt. So we did. They did a 12-week program and then... I put 20 kids on a British Airways flight to Ghana. Hmm. First of all, we get to Amsterdam. Most of them's passport wasn't real, so we had to, the immigration had to, oh man, it was mad. So we're holding these kids in immigration in Amsterdam because, you know, we had to get a cheaper ticket. We had to stop. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we, <coughs> we, we, we saw that out. We get to Ghana and we didn't stay in a crowd. We didn't stay in the city. We went to the village. Yes. And we went to a village. We did a tour of 10 schools in Kumasi and then five schools in Boligatanga, which is like North North. And these are the places where kids walk two miles, three miles to get saying. to school. Yeah. But what we did is that we made the London kids experience that. So yes. they would wake up and they'll carry their chairs for two miles carry to go to school. And after a week, these kids were like, oh, hmm. it's Bonsu. See Why are we doing this? I said, because this you real have life. it free. This is real life. This is real life. Real life. What choice, you know, what, 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 what was your excuse for not giving 110%? No, no reason, no reason. None, Justin. We did two weeks in Ghana, we came back. These kids went straight to school. Majority out of the 20 kids, 15 of them went to university. Wow. One of them ended up on Hollyoaks. Wow. Dwayne, Dwayne Boache, he's a star on Hollyoaks. Really? Two of them work for Royal Bank of Canada. These are kids that had no hope. See? And it hurts when people say, we can't do enough for them. There's there's always hope, man. And like you said, it's up to us. We have to do it. It's up to us. The government... You have the money, but yeah. we have to stand up yeah, to it. Yeah. So, Justin, I'm, I'm going to throw this to you. What are you going to do with you and your boys? You and your London Lion boys. 
what are you going to do in the city to try and help with this madness? Well, I can't speak for them, but I know for me, you know, it's it's a work in in, in process, you know. Um, you know, I'm in the process of trying to do. I mean, you know, anyway, process of, of trying to build something, you know, where I can kind of, you know, help these kids in. I'm not sure how, but you know, I'm, I'm not sure if my presence or, you know, um, but some way somehow, you know, I want to be that person that this this helps this helps humanity, you know. Like, forget about this this community, that community. I just want to help all kids, you know, you know, all kids that are affected by all these social problems. I want to help them, and if that means me going to their school or you know going to their youth club or going or going to their area to their states and speaking with them, I'm. I'm in, you know, so it'll take time, you know, like to build that, but, you know, that's my long-term, long-term vision, you know. Ten years from now, Justin, where do you see yourself? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, ten years from now, hopefully I'll be more involved in, in, in my community, in, in the community, should I say. Um father you know seeing my kids grow up in school um in in i'll be involved in basketball some way somehow um just helping people i mean that's i think that's my calling in life you know just helping people you know helping my fellow man really um just enjoying life you know just trying to soak it up and your last question if god came down and said justin you have two choices Basketball or your family? That's no-brainer, my family. No-brainer. It's been good, man. Thank you for this podcast. It's, it's always good talking to you because, Justin, you may not know it, you're the one of the most respected, but also we always say there's one of the most intelligent basketball players that we do have in the UK. Thank you. I'm not saying some of them are quite dumb. <laughs> you don't know yourself. Don't be, don't be acting up. Uh, and acting up. You know, you don't need to tell you. <coughs> I could call a few names, but yeah. Justin is one of the smartest one we do have, and this podcast has been really good. Listening and getting your opinions on things, and obviously going through your journey over the years. Um, for the young people listening, please do take the advices that he has given you. Just because the the, the light is shining bright, it doesn't mean it's green. Um, so when it comes to basketball, make the right choices. Talk to the right coaches. Ask, like Justin said. Go and research. We're in the age where you can actually research and find things out about people. Don't jump the ship because it sounded good when they spoke. But Justin, I'd like to say thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much for joining me today. Thank and you. At some point, it'll be good to get you on the draw because I know Simon and Alan are dying <laughs> to ask you 110 questions. Just, just let me know, man. Uh, just let me know. Uh, well, it's been really, really good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Man, that was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah.